Hello and welcome to the True Purpose Podcast. My name is Will Stewart and I'm founder of True Purpose Enterprises. We are a collection of businesses created to empower and promote future-proof enterprise that drive both happiness and success. On this podcast, our conversations will explore what it means to lead with true purpose and why this is necessary for people, planet, and most crucially, profit. If you like inspiring stories of resilience, purpose, happiness, and biscuits, then your ears are in the right place. So today's guest is one of my most requested guests when I speak to people in our industry. She is one of our shiniest of shiny stars here at uh, True Purpose Enterprises. Her growth and contribution over the last 35 years has been beyond epic. She is the glue that binds our group of businesses together and the glue that binds our female boss leadership group together. She is a huge asset within the wider licensing industry, having already been awarded a Global Rising Star in 2020. She also won our inaugural Human of the Year Award in 2019, and that's an award that just defines generally mine and most people's views of the Human of the Year. She is my co-founder at Spotlight 1888, which is the fastest growing of all our businesses. I think that's what my notes say, but you might have tampered tampered those. Um, She inspires me every day. She brings me joy and energy every Monday and Friday. Stay your focus thinking days. And I'm really proud to be her boss, and I'm honored to be able to call her my friend. So it's a huge privilege to introduce today's guest, Group Retail Director at True Purpose Enterprises and co-founder Spotlight 1888, the superhero legend of Hannah Riddler. Yay! Thanks for having me. Oh, Welcome. Intro. Yeah. Something. Anything you want me to add to anything I've missed? Oh, I just feel like that might not be me. That was something <laughs> I review. Maybe to someone different, but no, that was amazing. Thank you very much. Awesome. So, welcome, Hannah, and thank you very much for joining you. us. So, Hannah and I actually met rather fortuitously as I was into, I interviewed you but for someone else. So I was doing uh, an amazing guy, Daryl, Daryl Shute, was doing him a favour and we got to interview a load of candidates and she really just blew us both away. And afterwards we agreed that she definitely wasn't right for them. I was driving that conversation, <laughs> um, but that she would be perfect for us. You know, you knew our USP inside out, retail focus by an extension, you know, you defined it perfectly in there when I, I think I asked you, you know, what do you know about us? And off she went, uh, the most prepped person I've ever known who wasn't actually interviewing for our company. But I had extensively researched you, <laughs> yes, naturally you being me. Um, so I knew she had to be in my team. I couldn't afford her and I, don't, I can't afford you now, to be honest. So I had to wait 10 long years for finally hooking this lovely fish. Good things come to those who wait, people. So how? Obviously, I'm your boss, right? But we're friends as well and we work together. But this conversation is different. You know, I really wanted to interview key people in our business about purpose and what it means to them and how I guess you fit as a key piece of our puzzle. Because it's really interesting, you know, to have a conversation on a podcast versus the thousands of other conversations we've had. So you you have the entrepreneurial bug. There's things you can see and how you think, how you work, things you say. And you've got that because you grew up, you know, with your your father was a, a very successful business owner. So, and I know he's a huge influence on you. 
and a huge influence on the professional badass that you've mm-hmm. become. So yeah, tell well, tell me about him. Tell me about the legend of Andy. Oh, the legend of Andy. Well, I don't even know where you begin on the legend of Andy because he is just. I've been very fortunate in my life that I've got amazing parents. Yeah, I'm one of the lucky ones that when you go through life and you talk about your upbringing, it was flawless. Yeah, and I think they are the best parents ever. And entrepreneurship kind of runs through my family because you take it back further than that. So my dad's father, my granddad, the legend is David. He was a hairdresser back in the 60s when that was super fashionable. It was really out there. It was so artistic. It was, you know, such incredible industry to be in. It still is today because it still runs through my family now. And he set up the hairdressers in Portland Masons and he was cutting all of the opera singers' hair. And my dad actually wow. used to go in and, and see him and he'd have three ladies on the go and they'd have all of their hair in the big machine and, and everything going. And, and he used to be called, so after my maiden name, our surname was Stevens. And there was another David, so that was Stevie. So Stevie's got three ladies on the go. Stevie's got this going. And there'd be combs everywhere and there was hairspray. And my dad saw that kind of face on. And uh, and it's amazing. You can imagine the madness, yeah. you know, the 60s opera singers and these amazing actresses and Fortnum's and incredible and... And yeah. that was kind of where it started. And, you know, that was a really amazing. And you look back at photos of them and they're just so glamorous. And that was, you know, taking hairdressing to the next level. Yeah. Very much working to that to that level. And then coming through to my dad, who is the most amazing man in the world. And, you know, he did go to university, struggled through school, what we would call now dyslexia, which back then yeah. was, unfortunately, you know, he's a bit thick. He's not, you know, this. Yeah, dyslexia that. really annoys me. Because yeah. it's... It's a superpower. Yeah, it's, it's, and there's incredible stuff around how dyslexic people think differently. Mm. And yet, you know, even in school today, it's labeled as just thick. Mm. And it's remarkably misunderstood still today by education. But anyway, often you find hugely successful people, hugely successful entrepreneurs, particularly have a you know, very high ranking on dyslexia, right? And yeah, he, you know, he went through school and did university and went into the world of work and cutting a long story short, he set up a, an amazing publishing company when he was in his twenties with two partners and that became a global business. And they were looking after the publications of Formula One, um, MotoGP, Andrews Links, a variety of different amazing sports organizations. He traveled the world. And when we were growing up, he very much was building that business. But you know, what, what's so amazing about my dad is whilst he was traveling the world and, and building that business and my mom was at home with us kids, it never felt like he wasn't there. And it felt like whenever he came home, he was very present with us and grew this amazing company whilst being an amazing dad, amazing husband, so fun, so present. And that really influenced the way I looked at the world of work and growing up with a dad like that. I mean, I remember being 11 and I had to interview to go to a school and he was teaching me interview technique at 11, <laughs> taught me how to shake hands and, you know, all that sort yeah, of stuff. Yeah, that's, that's a classic a big, father moment, Particularly as a woman in the world Strong of hand. Absolutely. You know, particularly as a woman, you're thinking, you know, my handshakes will be played strong, yeah. actually. It's going to be yeah. really strong. Yeah. So it was one of those ones that he really inspired me throughout all of that sort of thing. And I remember going into his big office as a tiny little girl. He's got these staff working for him. Why age do you reckon you first sort of went in and saw... Hmm. So like really young, yeah. you went off to this big place. Mm. I remember going into my dad's mm. offices and, and it feeling just so giant and so much bigger than anything you'd seen. You know, your dad's your dad, mm. right? He's not this other person. No. And then you went into this space and you're like, 
oh my god, the eye-opening moments. Right? But also the cool toys in there, like photocopiers <laughs> and laminators <laughs> yeah. and binders, which yeah. were also super cool. So I remember seeing that, but and, and not really having the scale at that age of how big my my dad had become in terms of what he did. Was also staying as a great man, brilliant husband, brilliant dad. So. You know, he, he grew that company and he had an office in America and he was for another company. And that really inspired me. You know, I wanted to be like my dad. Clearly, the guy's a big hero of yours. And it is mm. a wonderful thing if you've got parents that have given you everything. And, you know, I was very similar. You can't change the environment you were born into, right? Mm. We've been very fortunate mm. with our upbringing and everything else. But you can use that environment and those opportunities mm. that you were given to help other people and do as much as you can for other people because we're the lucky ones, right? And that, you know, becomes foundations of purpose, I guess. Did your dad sort of expose you to elements of the business? Once you'd sort of seen his offices, it's hard, right? Mm. Business really hard, as you well know. Mm. And there's problems that happen. Or did he reveal more of that human side, the difficult times? And did you see that or did he sort of protect you on that until you were older to sort of you know, I don't process think, it? Well, I don't think we did. I think he kept it away. And I think my dad is that calm ship in, in the sea of chaos. You yeah. know, he's calm and strong and measured and takes everything on in his brain. He's got heavy boxes that he put lids in, in his yeah. brain and compartmentalises, which enabled us to, to not worry about when we were children but as we you know got older and we got a, a sense of the business you know you see how hard he's working you see that recessions hit and you know, yeah global crisis hit and, and, you know, and all that sort of stuff that you start to get perspective of what he might be dealing with and you know a number of staff and clients and things like that you start to learn how big that actually really is and, mm. and you get a scale of things like how big formula one is you know he's a major part of that so yeah that starts to work out in your brain but no i you know we, we weren't exposed to that and that was something that again we were very happy but as i've now got into my way of business the guidance and leadership he's given me in the background which you and i talk about mm. a lot you know both our dads are very much like that has been invaluable into becoming yeah. the business of what i am and having his background and and people always say to me and i think you're the same well, why didn't you just go work for your dad, Hannah? And I tell you what, you know I'm a strong business lady. You can only imagine the two of us over a boardroom table. That wouldn't have worked. And and he was very passionate that I formed my own career. He said, you know, you want to be a woman with your own career and a woman with your own success. And I don't want you to look back and feel that I gave this to you. You need to go and work You wouldn't hard. have, you know, knowing you as well as I do, it wouldn't have felt right mm. to have just turned up and done that. You had to find your own path. And me and my dad talk about this a lot. Like he he did everything he could not to mm. put me in or push me into the company that they were running because he was pushed into it. And he always felt like he wished he'd, you know, you always wish what you didn't get, right? But he'd wished he'd had his own opportunity to create something for himself rather than following a thing. I think it's amazing to get though, you know, there's a lot of writing about if you grow up with a parent, either parent who has run a business that you're 80% lot more likely to run a business yourself, mm. even though you might have seen things that other people hadn't seen <laughs> in terms of difficulties. But I think it's just you've got a blueprint of, you know, if you think of the business he started and grew globally through financial crisis after mm. financial mm. crisis of all this sort of stuff, it gives you a blueprint. It gives you a sort of a cheat code, really, for what you want to be, I think, particularly as mm. a leader. And I mean, for you as a leader, I mean, you're a brilliant leader. I think you 
I think you know that. In fact, you probably don't, but I tell you all the time because you are. But do you think your leadership style or what are the key things you've taken from him and applied in your leadership specifically of, of teams and businesses? I certainly think I've taken strands from my dad, but I've certainly adapted my own way. And I think one of the, the ways I started to navigate through my career, and, and I do talk about women in business quite a lot, and later yeah. I talk about my you know, mentorship and, and the giving back that I do with, with women in business, but very much I didn't want to become a stereotype. I didn't want to become a, I wanted to be successful, but I wanted to be a nice, successful person. And very much what I saw in my dad was strong and calm, and people felt that he was leading that ship and they could trust his his vision. And I wanted my team to also feel like that. Yeah. When I'm building something, my team very much feel, you know what, Hannah's got this and I can follow that lead. But I also wanted to be a, a kind and empathetic leader. I yeah. want people to feel happy in my company and I want my team to feel that. And, and clients as well, you know, one of the things I pride myself on is I don't change. How I approach a client situation or my team or anyone internally, I am kind outwardly and I am warm and I want to make sure people feel that. And that's how I like to lead because you can kind of look at those stereotypical strong you know strong women that they're fearful in the boardroom and you know she walks in and, and you're quaking in your boots and and i like to to be impactful you know mm. i do you know i love that yeah. feeling of coming out and going chill yeah that was good that was yeah. i feel yeah. believe in myself and my little imposter syndrome goes no you didn't but <laughs> i went okay i think i did okay but i like my team to feel that they can approach me and that's in my leadership that i've, I've always felt that i wanted to impart was yeah i want you to come to me bring me the ideas i want to hear from all of you and I want to make sure that, that I'm listening and I'm learning from yeah. everyone and bringing people along the journey with me. You know, that's always been what I want to do as a leader is I'm going here, but I want my team to, to come with yeah. me and trust my, my vision and my journey. So that's very much always been part of my leadership style. And I think very much as my, as my dad, he, he retained the team that he had that, mm. you know, was, was core to him. And obviously we work really well together. And I think that combined leadership that we perhaps have along with our yeah. you know, fellow directors is something that I think the team feel comfortable in. in, in well, I think, you know, look, you know, I obviously know all of your team um, <laughs> and I think what what you aspire to achieve in leadership, we, empathetic leadership mm. is the key, I think, you know, for everything else. But you do all of those things, even though you're imposter goblin and be thinking you don't, you do do those things. Kindness is a weakness though, right? Isn't it? Well, I think that this is perhaps going back to our dads. You know, that wasn't the way that, you led, you were strong. And, mm. and I think something we really bonded over was, was actually, no, it's not. And one of the charters we have of the business is, you know, everyone has, has a mental health issue and it's just how you manage it. And I think one of the things that is great is, is that kind of empathetic leadership. It's not to mean that you're not serious about what you're saying. Yeah. It's not to mean that you're not strong in your convictions. And I am strong in what I believe in. Yeah. And what I'm selling to somebody is authentic, but I'm kind with it. And actually, yeah. you know, a, a couple of weeks ago, I had a text from, a client, we won't, we won't mention the client name, um, and someone that was, was leaving to go to New Pastures, and they sent me this lovely message, and it was very much around, I just want you to know that I really admire how you hold meetings, and I've really learned so much from you in the way that you're treating people in those yes. meetings. And I bet that's that bit. I bet you were beaming on well, that, Well, my right? imposter syndrome went, is this the wrong person? <laughs> is this sent to somebody else? But I like that outwardly that's been seen, because... Yeah. You know, I want to be kind in this industry. I've got great people in this industry that I've known my whole career. And I'd like to think that if I ever left the industry for an unknown reason, that people would say, do you know what? Hannah Redler was, was a really nice person to work with. Mm. And I've left that impression on the people in my industry and internally. So 
you're a kind leader, you're an approachable leader. And that's one of the things that I like about working here is we are all allowed to be entrepreneurial. Yeah. And you trust us to make that journey, but you are kind and you listen. And one of the great things about the business office is our ultra flexibility and, and we are flexible around how people need to Yeah, we, we bonded over that style of leadership. Mm. I think it's probably the thing that when we first sort of moved more into the leadership part of this business as we grew it was about empathetic leadership, kindness, not a weakness. It's mm-hmm. just treating people fairly. Absolutely. Do you think kindness, do you think it's the core of your purpose or like how would you define your purpose in life or professional either way? Is kindness a key part of that or, you know, there's a number of elements or... Kindness is definitely in there. I mean, I'd like to think of myself as a strong person, but being kind at work and in my personal life and being an approachable person, not somebody people fear, not somebody that they can't feel they can share, you know, business ideas through to personal issues is, is a massive part of, of my purpose. And I think links back to that part of, you know, and we'll talk about it later, but the mentorship that I give out. Well, is- I think we, we should talk about that now because giving back is a key element, mm. strand of purpose. And we talk a lot about purpose mm. on this purposey podcast. <laughs> and, you know, it's a theme that we see. So I see you as someone very driven by giving back and you get a huge amount out of doing those sorts of things. And it's not, you know, volunteering or giving back or giving to charity or helping other people it isn't a selfless act because you are getting the validation, mm. the reward, the happiness from it. But you've taken a huge leadership. You devote a huge amount of time to the industry and particularly younger people and driving them. I mean, what, what's your driver behind that first? And secondly, what do you get out of it? Yeah, so this, again, I can take it back to an earlier memory. So I remember being at university and um, I studied English and the lecturers you know, brought in a guest speaker from the Times. And this week spoke and I thought, that's so beyond me. I'm 19. I can barely put my makeup on properly. I don't know really what I'm studying now. I just want to go and work and earn some money. And I very much saw this, you know, this amazing speaker come in and it just felt too far. It just felt like 19-year-old me was never going to be that person and it was just too far from me. So when I started in the industry, I, and I've been doing this for 10 years, I go back to my university every year and I talk about our industry and I talk about how I got into the business and I talk about interview technique and I talk about how you hold a meeting. And from those things, people have actually come into our industry. There's been some interns that have gone to Nickelodeon. There's been some people that have gone to Disney. And first of all, our industry is hidden. So I like young people to know what it is. Yeah. Anyone on this podcast from the industry has probably tripped and fallen their way in, as we all have. Yeah. People kind of take a left turn and go, oh, what's this thing? That sounds interesting. <laughs> and then people that you say in real life ask if you work in pubs and you don't. Yeah. So it's first of all getting that, that name out there because it's such a fantastic industry. And it's secondly, I don't want people to feel that it's too far away. So by going back to my university, I was that student. And now I'm very fortunate to have this amazing career and work at an incredible company and work for great people. So I like to go back and give them that familiarity. So I do that every year and I always get lovely feedback. And that's been really important to me because there are people that will have self-doubt, perhaps will be that confident, perhaps need to work on an interview technique, that should have every opportunity to join this industry and every opportunity to feel successful. So, And our industry is very good. Like, we're an industry for everyone. That's the joy of it. It's like there's roles for everyone with every mm-hmm. type of skill. And any kind of a degree would work for us. There's not many licensing degrees because it's a big, bit of a mismatch it's a of, hybrid, isn't it? of stuff. But why do you do it? Why do you go back? It's helping people. 
is that the, is that the core of it? You want to just help other people? I do. I want, I want to help people. And, and I feel that it's really easy to get caught up in your career and progress yourself. But again, when I look back, I want to feel like I've done something more to that. You know, and I work very hard and I'm a busy lady and I'm busy at work. So, of course, and this business is wonderful that I could. If I said to you, well, I need to go volunteer at charity, you go, absolutely. Cancel mm. the meeting and go. Because we well, have some. <laughs> I have done. Um, but I feel like that's my little part of of incorporating it into what I do and what I'm so passionate about, which is my job. But equally, it brings those people along. And, and I've actually become the chair of the Young Persons Committee for the UK now. In Congratulations. Thanks very much. It's a, it, honestly, it was you just obviously went off and did it and said, oh, I'm going to do this. And I was like, it's, ama- it's amazing. The Young Persons Network, You know, we again talk passionately about just if I knew about licensing when I was a much younger person, I would have chosen this. I know Absolutely. I would have done. Yet I spent 18 years in retail before I found it. Mm. And I think there is this incredible, I don't know, army of younger people that are you know, almost redefining how licensing works. There's a big old sort of group that have done it for a long time. And suddenly this big army of young people coming in and running that network is, I know it's something you get a lot out of, but... Yeah, why did you just go, oh, I'm going to do this? Because, I, again, there's people in our industry that I want to bring together to network. And, you know, it's a different climate now when you join, when you join the world of work because I joined those five days a week in the office. I was exposed to everything and I put my bravery hat yeah. on. I sat on people's desks and I asked questions. And now if you're working at home three days a week, you might not feel confident mm. to do so. So we're bringing together events, we're bringing people together and we're spreading the word about the industry and, how you can be more involved and, and I'm very passionate to spread that into the retail landscape because like you say there's fantastic buyers and I've employed some for this business <laughs> that you know don't know about us and, and I want to bring them into the industry and I want to also be able to offer myself to those people and very much the committee that we've built does that and, and in my committee is Olivia who works in our business who oh. is a shining star of ours and, and a great example that she came into this business as an apprentice in a university and she's blown in our, in our business. Yes. She really has. Yeah, she really. What I love about it, there's many things I love about Liv, as we mm-hmm. we just do discuss. But it's it's just seeing someone come from literally zero knowledge to where she is today. She's running a hard lines mm-hmm. business, and it's the speed at which she has picked it up, right? And this is the thing. It's like helping people. Like I know we've both helped Liv, right? Yeah. You a lot more than me, but that gives you a positive energy. It gives you, you know, purpose and. It makes you happy. Mm. And I, I guess the question is, does purpose make you happy? I know the answer already, but does it? Purpose <laughs> makes me incredibly happy. And, and, you know, it's something that, and I don't know if you're, I might be jumping your question, so I'm going to go ahead with it. It's something that I learned really young. And again, another family setup on how purpose came to me was um, going to the other side of my family. My, my mother's um, dad, my granddad, it's slightly sad, but it's going to get better. Okay. It's going to spice okay. up. Don't Go worry. With it. So my grandmother passed away uh, when my mum and sisters were very young, and my granddad was left with three girls. He was in his forties, and okay. he became incredibly passionate about giving back. He was a policeman, and in the time he had to, you know, spare around shifts, he developed a leukemia a dance event, and he would raise money every year for leukemia research. Okay. And my mum and her sisters okay. left to trot out with the raffle tickets every year, <laughs> sell the tickets to the okay. event. And purpose, again, well, I don't think was massive back then, but that was his no. purpose. Well, it wouldn't have even had a word. Totally. And we're talking about in the, well, you're talking about there, the 70s, 80s. Yeah. 
and this dance went on for 20 years and I remember it when I was little wow. and he would do this dance and, and I remember going to his house and the reason I remember it was because there's loads of cool stuff in the house and I was like can I play with mm. all this stuff because it's yeah. loads of record prizes and amazing yeah. bows and I want to eat all the chocolate <laughs> and mum was like no it's kind of the purpose-led things and I was like no, that's really disappointing but okay but that was the early memory of purpose that he was you know small amount of time he had being policeman and raising his girls he was getting back to a charity yeah in the memory of his wife so that was my earliest memory of purpose. And Do you think he would have called it purpose back then? I mean, why would he? Why would he? Why would he do that? Because he he got something out of it. It right? was it made him feel, made him feel like helping people made him feel good, right? Totally, and, and he was making a small difference to something that had changed his life. And yeah, that strand runs in me. So you know, I very much think that purpose makes me incredibly happy because mm. I come away from it and I think. Do you know what? My teeny tiny little dent that I've made has actually made a difference. And it's lovely what we do for a living that we do make a difference. You know, we yeah. work on charities and we raise money for charities through our products. It's wonderful. But making a difference to, you know, someone that might not be confident coming into our industry or someone that may have gone through a hard time mm-hmm. and we don't know about it and they've come into the industry, it makes me so happy. And I feel like what a lovely thing that I can come to a job that I'm so passionate about and love. And in the background, I'm helping people in this industry come through and I've mentored people which I'm very you know I loved bits I love mentoring you and yeah. I share this passion yeah. I think it's brilliant particularly young women in business you know I do mentor men but very much I love mentoring young women in business that want to learn how to present to feel confident to yeah. grow to how do I in a room with brilliant executives where do I find my voice and what do I say and that's a real passion so it does make me incredibly happy because you know I love work I get a real passion from it but being able to give my small gen, even if it's not as big as I'd love it to be, and help a few people makes me so happy. It, it's a, it does amuse me when you talk about things like I made this tiny, teeny little dent. <laughs> Whereas yesterday you're on stage in front of hundreds of people presenting in a way that everyone in that audience is, you know, you're a very inspiring person, particularly on stage. I've seen you do it many times. And you do it in a very professional way but it's you right very professional know your shit right let's not mess around with content you know what you're doing you're well prepped you're professional but you're able to give a message that's in a more um balanced you know you're not you're not preachy you're not sort of selling it's like i'm selling it's like i'm not i'm presenting a really good authentic opportunity here genuinely and truthfully and i think it becomes very engaging and warming and one of my missions is to really build and promote professional female role models for younger generations, right? And you're very much central to to that because you know things you've spoken about, like presenting on stage. There was a time where, you, well, you're still nervous. So I yeah. get nervous presenting on stage, yeah. right? That's not bad, but people would never know you were nervous on stage. And I think that's a perfect example of you know, if you're younger person early 20s in this industry and you you're going to these events thinking i remember doing it myself thinking i could never stand on stage mm. and do that you were that person yeah, right totally. whereas you know now you're there you've got to be very careful that people just lose the humanity and think well she of course she can do it she's all this she's all that she wouldn't get nervous like people would probably be quite shocked if they thought you were nervous but it's like no all of that is normal that is exactly how it is it's just what you're prepared to do is push, push, push. You spend your entire career outside your comfort zone because, as Bartlett calls it, the learning zone, but you constantly want to push. And I think those are qualities that are so vital to 
the young people's network in this industry. Not the, oh, look at this polished person who, who can say it all. It's the reality of the human side to get to where you got to. And I think you're so important, as I said in my intro, to the wider industry because you're on this stage or pedestal, but you're making it attainable. Mm. When you go back to Bournemouth, your mission, I think, is to show the steps and be open about the steps and open about, yeah, shit scared getting mm. up there, but I still go and do it. You know, never give up, never doubt yourself, totally. get on there and do it. And that's then all about why you face your demons and face all your challenges overcome them and keep moving mm. forward that's the role models that young people need people that are gonna go the extra yard totally and it doesn't go without and you and i speak about you know the g word graft and we talk about this a lot and it hasn't been without really hard work and i do have natural imposter syndrome and perhaps that because i have witnessed greatness in my own dad you know will i ever be able to match that who knows but at some <laughs> point i'll be happy with where i've got to but I do feel naturally, I do question myself and, and I am naturally, which people are very surprised by, I'm quite an anxious person. And I'm very free to admit that, that I am quite an anxious person, but I challenge it and I push it because on the other side of that person is someone that's driven and excited and hungry and wants to succeed and wants to help. So I also share that when I to talk to people because I think you're totally right, you know, oh, she's on stage and she's presenting to this and, you know, how am I going to do that? And Actually, it's taken a lot of steps, taken a lot of work and a lot of prep, and it's a long journey, but it's something that I work really hard on, and it's something that you know everyone can get to that point, they can get on their stage, and they can present their thing and feel really passionate about it. And, you know, I've got great support. I've got you and Beth and are brilliant leaders, and, you know, she's been a massive part of my journey and has you. So it's one of those things that whenever you guys are there watching or you're in the background, you're just <laughs> waving, and it's been you know, lovely to have you guys there. So It's great know, for us. I, I I love listening to you talk. So to just sitting in well, an audience and wave. Yeah, it's like, so. <laughs> this is great. I, I'm happy. It's yeah, go for it. So, uh, no, it's brilliant. Yeah. And, you know, it, it's something that's taken a long, for all of us, taken a lot of work and presenting and, you know, I, I think that partly your upbringing and, you know, the fact you have an imposter goblin on your shoulder challenging you and questioning you is partly what makes you so driven. And we've discussed this before. And partly what makes you then achieve so much is because, there is always those feelings that are there that are sort of, you know, if you can embrace them the right way, and we all have, we all have elements of them. If you can embrace them the right way, you can use them to your advantage. And I think, again, it's something you do, you do very well. Let's talk about Spotlight. So this is a business, and we actually have the photo uh, of do. when you first spoke to me about it in oh, 2019, So we spoke about this sort of business which I thought was what I was going to start in 2014 and it just all changed but then we obviously connected and spoke about this Spotlight 1888 well tell me what what is Spotlight 1888 oh it's my passion it's my baby (laughs) it's um it's an idea that you and I've talked about for so long and it really came to life last year and it is it is essentially that's a retail business and it's something that we can Going back to helping purpose, we are solving problems for retailers, brands, and licensees yeah. at the retail landscape. So we're able to make beautiful activations and beautiful products and, and amazing moments at retail and in so many different ways and so many different things we're doing from live events through to you know traditional retail activations through to strategy and thinking and 
thinking differently. It's just using all of the absorption of yours and my skill sets and wrapping them together into this business. Yeah. And it's it's new and it's different and it's something that few people haven't seen before and we have a different way of thinking. So it's been our passion project and it's really come to life. It's much more year. than a passion project. I think it's been, you know, we launched it with the biggest sign in the history it was of signs. Ginormous, <laughs> yeah. like an ant, yeah, it's like, so you, I mean, you do go large for a lot of stuff things. Ridiculous. <laughs> and we've changed the logo. So and we've changed it since so, then, so we can't use that big brand. But look, all businesses in the it's really just in its first year, this is the crazy thing, but it's really motoring and I see it as just something that's so valuable for the licensing industry and we retail focused brand extension is what we did at the point and what we've realized is that's the real value of what we do within licensing and actually there's a whole other plethora of opportunities and also needs like when you talk you know retail buyers love you because you solve their problems but equally then they come to you with other problems and go can you solve this problem and you're always very good at going yep yeah, I can solve it. And most of the time you mm. can. So it's it's a brilliant business and I, I, I can't wait to see how it develops over time. It is great. And I think one of the things with, with Spotlight is just going back to that relationship side. You know, I spend a lot of time making sure that our retailers feel like they're part of the family. And I think frequently retailers can just be sold at. You know, and you're aware yeah. of this, you're a buyer, you know, always. you're sold at. And that's not what I'm here to do. I'm here to talk and converse and listen to what they want to be doing and understand their business strategies and what they want to to build and grow and, and we have lovely relationships some of our retail buyers are close friends of mine and you know we've built that over the years and, and we built it over such a long time mm. and that's why they trust you and you know as a buyer you've done that job for a long time everyone was was selling but this thing we're trying to do at john lewis on the shop floor which was more non-aggressive selling it's just explain the benefits and explain why something's more expensive rather than buy my shit buy my shit yeah it's like look here's the situation yeah and if, i think again if you just talk honestly buyers are humans right they're just normal they're people, people. <laughs> they have such a stressful job it's so visible you're either performing or you're not you know they have a billion problems and as we said and partly the driver for spotlight is licensing mm. or licensed brands can solve every retailer's problem mm. and what you all you need to do is just have conversations to work out what the problem is mm. and then work out how it can be filled totally okay what what question should i have asked you that i haven't asked you've rattled through a few things i think I yeah think got have i got them all i don't i think so but i think maybe we have to explain your 35 years and that we count our years for in dog yes we do count the years in dog pretty well to be honest <laughs> she's had a lot of work i've had a huge lot of amount of work Part of <laughs> uh, yeah, th well, 35 years, right? So seven years is one year at the point. And I say this to people when they start. And then we've had people here that have been here for a year that definitely feel like they've been, yeah, seven, years. been seven years. It's just because there's so much to do and so many opportunities and it's a constant thing. And we work hard. Everyone works very we work hard here. Hard. Yeah, we feel, you know, we're in a very lucky, privileged position to be in our business mm -hmm. and and doing what we're doing. And there's no excuse for not working hard. That's the one thing that we all commit to. And it's not like, don't break your back, but working hard, giving your best, that's a choice, right? It's hard not to work hard when you're working on really exciting things. Yeah, you, you like the things. Ownership of. And, and with people you like. With people you like. So your <laughs> super success here, Will, is pretty good, to be honest, which is why we're all so passionate. But that's why I've, I've aged 35 years, yeah. the pace and the excitement of everything going on. But you on. have, I mean, what's ridiculous is you, you've done five years, right? Yes. Mm -hmm. 
yeah. which is remarkable, really. When I think back to the story of how we met, yeah. and we look at photos yeah. back then. We looked a lot younger before the pandemic. I didn't have any grey hair. <laughs> I didn't have any grey hair. But it was like, we were just very, very different people. And it's been a real privilege watching you continue to smash everything I throw at you. What's your favourite biscuit and why? This is a very important This question. is the only important question and in the whole And it's a very thing. firm answer. There is no wobbling on this at all. Right. What do I say about that? the caramel digestive. Yes. Oh, yes. It's a very strong this. biscuit. It is. For that. many reasons. Tell it's, me why. why. It's unbelievable undunked. It's strong. You get the chocolate, the strong caramels holding the biscuit in. Yeah. But you dunk it and you lost... We, uh, milk chocolate, caramel. Milk chocolate, dark. we're not talking dark. Okay. It's milk chocolate all the way. Let's not get into chocolate. Let's not get into yeah. chocolate. Dunkable to the, to the level where the biscuit's starting to oh, come off. I know. The but one. the caramel's it holding it together. On. Oh, and yeah, I know. you know what? I it know. has the biscuit. <laughs> and then, you know, if you're feeling it, the whole biscuit can go in your mouth, to yeah. be honest. Yeah. You can just stop messing around trying to chew it. So that is the biscuit. To be fair, that is an incredibly good answer. It's a incredibly great good answer. That's the second best biscuit question answer of the podcast so far mm. of what we've recorded. I mean, if you really want to go into it, you could talk about, you know, hot water and the biscuit doesn't crumble. And that's an analogy for me. When I, <laughs> <laughs> what your, I your, into? your biscuit's constantly under hot water it and is. you always seem to come out, come out clinging on. Strong and your, together. your caramel topping is very strong. It is strong. Listen, I just want to say massive, massive thank you for joining us today. It's it's been amazing and I love the conversations with you know members of my leadership team and, and stuff when because they are different to every other conversation uh, and probably the next three hours of chat we're having after this. So at the True Purpose podcast we're building a community of purpose-led leaders and we want to be part of the revolution to a true purpose-led economy through inspiring every professional to think more purposely. It's going to take us years, maybe decades to get there, but change is coming.